0: Welcome to AWS Conversations with Leaders. My name is Miriam Mclemore, and I am an enterprise strategist with AWS. I have the great privilege and opportunity today to interview Krista Koonen. Krista, could you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your role? Thank you very much. I'm
1: very happy to be here today to speak to you. Uh, My name is Christa Koenen. I'm here in Frankfurt, Germany. I am the CIO or group CIO of Deutsche Bahn, so the German Railways. And at the same time, I'm the CEO of DB Sistel, uh, the German Railways IT partner, digitization partner. I've been with German Railways for now, I think 15 and a half years, but in many, many different roles and in other industries and roles before that. And I definitely have not always been in IT, but slowly developed in the direction to then take the role I have today. My background is actually economics and business and uh, next to consulting and doing strategy work inside DB and then um, being a CFO for a couple of years. So I've, I've done lots of different things that I think in the end have prepared me for the change, the
0: transformation and leadership role that I have today. Krista, thank you so much and what a fascinating background that you have. Could you tell us a little bit about how Deutsche Bahn is structured? Basically Deutsche Bahn is uh, one of the larger
1: German companies with uh, around 320,000 employees today. Our main business is in Germany, basic, running different railway companies and also running the infrastructure for the railway in Germany. I think we have approximately 220,000 our 320,000 employees here in Germany. And we run passenger trains, both long distance and short distance. We run cargo trains. We have around 6,000 train stations here in Germany that we take care of and approximately 34,000 kilometers of tracks that are also um, what we take care of in general. As uh, if you look at outside of Germany, uh, the DB Schenker is part of the DB Group and DB Arriva is also part of the DB Group. So we do run buses and trains outside of Germany as well. And DB Schenker is a large logistic company
0: that uh, is active worldwide. Wow, what an amazing scope. Um, and you mentioned that you were reimagining how DB could operate. Um, Can you talk a little bit about, I know you've gone through a major transformation in a pretty short period of time. Can you talk about that transformation? I would love to. So when I started at DB
1: Systel, we were looking at what kind of an IT operation does DB need to reach its goals? How do we as a IT company inside DB have to position ourselves to actually help DB reach its goals in, the amount of trains and passengers we transport every day and, and so on and so on. And soon noticed that our traditional IT service provider role just wasn't enough anymore. So we started transformation towards being a digital integrator uh, and enabler, but also a digital innovator next to still being an IT service provider. And that took us on a journey that both, both transformed us in the way we operate and the way we work but also in what technologies and how we employ technologies. So it's really been an overall transformation, not only from the, on the technological side, but also, and very importantly, on the side of where we, how we work and how our culture is developing and what our culture looks like today.
0: Now, that's a, a significant change. Was there any pushback or hesitation from other leaders as you propose this transformation? Interestingly, at the time, contrary, I
1: think at least contrary to today, IT wasn't really in the focus of of a company like DB. So everybody, if you really discussed it with them, knew that IT was really important and that at the end of the day, you need IT to run trains. You need IT to do just about everything nowadays, but it still wasn't in the focus. So I had many, many, along with my colleagues, many, many discussions inside DB about what we were actually trying to achieve, what we were going through. And of course, I got the board of DB on board for technological transformation, migrating to the cloud and such. But I think it took probably two or three years for everybody to realize what it really meant, what we were doing, what transforming a very hierarchical organization, so a very classical organization, to a self-organization based on teams that were empowered to make decisions, to form a network, to be self-organized, what that really meant took much, much longer for everybody to realize. And now I would say people are so interested that we're asked to give talks about it inside DB that we have quite a few people Moving from other parts of DB into DB Systel, and there's a much larger exchange. So it's it's it was a process.
0: Yeah. So you must have had to make changes in your management structure to accomplish this. Can you share a little bit about that? Oh, yeah. I'll try to keep it short because the changes we made at the end of the day
1: were were enormous. Of course, at the beginning, we looked at who is actually on board with a such a significant change. Who of the management is actually as enthusiastic about it and believes in it as much as we do. And so there were a couple of people who moved on to other roles outside of DB Sistel at that point in time. But I think the most significant change was that we looked at the management role and especially at the disciplinary responsibilities and separated a lot of that and actually allocated it to different roles. So today, there is not one single role that has the classical management role of the disciplinary side and the steering side and all that together. But especially the the people role that actually uh, the leadership role was separated into three parts. So today, the product owner that is in charge of what is a team supposed to do, the agility master that helps a team with how they're going to do it, and the team themselves, they all have part of that role today. So I think that in the end was the most significant change. And it's an ongoing change since you have to unlearn the way you've worked
0: all these decades and relearn what it means to work in this way. Yeah, so how did you lead your team through that? That's, that's scary for people, right, that have been trained in in one approach all of their careers it, it was a process where we went about it in a certain way we
1: at the very beginning of this process uh, the my direct management team wasn't complete yet so it was basically two of us that started this journey and we started it by not putting together a classic project, but by taking a much more agile approach already at the very beginning. So together with a select team of people from the company, we defined what the eight different areas were that we thought we needed to change, that we needed to attack, that we needed to do something, change something, really go at it. And then we put two people in charge of these different, of each of the different topics. And I think with almost each and every one of them, two people who had nothing really to do with a topic. So for example, for the topic, um, culture and, and leadership, we had one person from the sales part, and we had one person from deep in the operations area that were in charge of figuring out what exactly does it mean for our company? What does our company need in terms of how we work together, how our culture needs to develop? And we did that with all the different topics. And then These people um, had the general goals that we had worked out together. And then we said to them, okay, every three months, we would like to see results that either have a large positive impact on our customers or a large positive impact inside our company. Good luck. And then they went out and basically found people who who were enthusiastic about the topic and who wanted to help change the company. So it was a mixture of top-down and setting goals, but a huge bottom-up movement where at the end, I mean, the company at the time had about 3,400 employees. Today, we're at around 5,000 employees. So of those 3,400 employees in a two-year span, approximately 700 in whatever time they could spare helped form the company and helped really work out where we needed to go and how we're going to achieve it.
0: Well, and I'm thinking that that probably created a groundswell of ownership for the change. Is that that what happened? And how did you measure the change? Very good questions. And
1: yes, I think this ownership, it being our transformation, not you know, not the management team's transformation, but DB Systems' transformation. That was a very, very big aspect that actually is there until today. So being able to actually influence how the culture in your company develops, what technologies will actually be implemented on a larger scale, all those things to be able to actually actively influence that created a lot of ownership. As you can imagine, sometimes those kind of initiatives, those kind of movements can go a bit far. So there was always... Uh, the need to find a good balance between reminding everybody that we're actually a company that needs to earn money, but also keeping up the enthusiasm. So that that was that was a fantastic thing. And how did we actually measure the success? Well, in in several different ways. Since the day we started, our rev- like in the last five years, approximately maybe it's five and a half years, our revenues have doubled. So that's a nice way of measuring success. Um, we started at around three thousand. 300, 3,400 employees, we're now at 5,000 plus quite a few externals that are still there. Um, we are now recognized in the market. So the, the name DB Sustel is actually recognized in the IT market and we have a lot of uh, applicants who want to come and work with us and who want to actually be involved in creating this culture and refining this culture and continuing to evolve this culture. And most importantly, our customers inside DB, their feedback is what really shows us how far we've come and how much has changed. And their feedback, of course, naturally, we still have areas where we need to improve and that's uh, what we strive for all the time. But nevertheless, we've gotten a lot of positive feedback for the changes that we have started and for also how radically we're changing things because we realized early on that it
0: just couldn't continue the way we were going. Well, it's a just an impressive story. You know, one of the things that I hear from customers when I speak to them is reskilling. You've talked about the number of employees you have and and even a larger number now. How did you reskill and do you continue to make sure that your team has the skills that they need? Reskilling is a very, very core part of our entire
1: transformation, both on the cultural and uh, the way we work side of things, uh, and also on the technological side of things. So on the sort of cultural and how we're changing our work environment from hierarchical to self organization, we have a program that actually reskills, especially the product owners and the agility masters. Since those I know in the traditional software development sense, we had some, but not in the sense that we have implemented it. So there is an, an entire reskilling program there that they can take part in and learn what it actually means to to be uh, working in those roles. We also have a program where coaches um, help the teams understand and learn what it means to work inside a self-organized team and what kind of roles the teams need and how the teams like, what kind of agile tools they can use to actually make their work more effective. On the other hand, we have um, the, the technological change um, that, that was started through the migration into the cloud that we're finishing this year um, is enormous. As you obviously know, it is both the actual getting, like running down our data center, but it goes through every part of our organization. We do a lot of software development as well. So we reskilled um, everybody who was actually um, working with the cloud providers, but we also reskilled all the software developers. And to do that, um, we put together a list of all our employees and looked at it very closely, had a had a discussion with every single one of them to see what is it you do they do today, what their skills are today, and where they want to be in X months when maybe they're Current role becomes obsolete, and how we can help them to reskill to actually get to that point. So, that program is uh, ongoing. Obviously, it's an always ongoing program, but it means that we reskilled
0: several thousand people in the last couple of years. Wow. Now, another thing that you mentioned, Krista, was agility a couple of times, right? And I, I do find there are lots of definitions of agile teams and people claiming to have implemented um, an agile model. Can you talk about what agility looks like in your organization?
1: We actually define our way of working as self-organization using agile methods and agile tools. So it is not the classic scrum or whatever it is because we've adapted uh, what we need to work in a more flexible, more agile manner to our entire organization. So not only software development, but everything we do. So therefore um, we have found our own way of transforming uh, until recently, very, very hierarchical company into a more and more network organization where the teams are self-organized, where the teams use Kanban boards, use their stand up meetings, use all sorts of different tools to actually work across the entire organization for the customer's benefit.
0: Well, and uh, obviously one of the outcomes and you mentioned at the very beginning was innovation and driving innovation into the organization and and for the company. Can you speak a little bit about how your teams innovate? Absolutely, it was
1: interesting because When we started this transformation, the company obviously very classically was uh, divided up into different departments and there were really strong silos that if they were going to work together, it always had to be escalated up and back down again. And it was quite an effort to actually bring people together with the different types of knowledge that were necessary to pursue different new subjects to innovate and, and so on. And starting this transformation and starting this General transformation and also setting a goal that one of our roles was going to be digital innovation was really instrumental in it releasing a lot of energy. So, and giving space, like we created spaces where, where anybody who had an idea or, or was really interested in implementing a certain technology could go and find like-minded individuals to actually um, see if it was viable. And so, for example, we have um, our Skydeck, which is an innovation space. I wouldn't call it lab, but space where we brought together people from inside DB Sistel, but also people from DB with other with our, our internal partners and customers inside DB to look at, okay, so what are the business challenges and how, from a totally different IT perspective, can we help? both with technology, but more importantly, first understanding what the issue actually was and then looking at whether to throw technology at it was actually necessary or if we could solve it together with a slightly lower tech approach. So that that for example. On the other hand, teams found each other around topics that our, our internal customers or our external customers really needed and started innovating by coming up with new solutions. And I mean, to be honest, Migrating into the cloud was a huge innovation driver as well, obviously, and and just having the space that after decades of of the data centers being the core of DBSystel and being the pride of DBSystel, innovating by saying, okay, this is a new era. We want to be ahead of the wave and not behind the wave this time. So let's innovate and see how we can make
0: using a, a public cloud work for us as DB and for us as DBSystel. Wow, I I am just completely um, overwhelmed by the just the scope of what you took on. How long did this take, or, And maybe you're still kind of in flight, but if you start where you where was your beginning, and and where do you see you know kind of the major milestones, and where are you going? So if I think back. We started
1: the process of redefining our roles end of 2014, um, like very towards the end of t- 2014, and our our um, head of strategy invited all sorts of different speakers and all sorts of different people to give us uh, little impulses on, on like opening our minds to what the changes were out there and then beginning of 2015, we retreat like went on a retreat a strategy retreat with about 35 people mixed from our first level of management um, to people from our company who we thought would be outspoken enough to actually say what they think about what was being worked on and the ideas that were being bandied around. And from that, this uh, strategy program started that in the end, um, well, basically the question we were answering at the strategy retreat was, what do we need to do as a company to reach these three roles we had defined um, by the end of, mid-end of uh, 2017. So that was really the first part of it, a two-year program. But as part of that, starting somewhere beginning mid of 2016, we started questioning whether really data center, our own data center was the way to go. So for example, the, 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 the big push to go um, to the cloud uh, was actually something that we... I went to the board of directors of DB in beginning of November 2016, and that was the start of our cloud migration. And in the end, we will be handing over our data centers end of this year to the new owner, um, and it will have taken us, uh, I think, about a year to a year and a half less time than we originally thought. And so these different changes and transformations were actually parallel and started slightly one after another, because in the end, we're not changing the way we work because it's cool to work in a self-organized way and because, uh, oh, it's so hip to use Agile for almost everything we do and use those tools and everything. We're doing it because we're convinced that we need to work in this way to be very effective with the new technologies and to be able to react fast enough and have enough expertise, and in general, be adaptive enough to keep up in today's IT world, and bring the best IT and the, the in the fastest way to the businesses of DB.
0: Yeah, I often say to to customers, you know, the technology really does work. It's the the culture and how you adopt the technology. Is that what you've seen? Was the cultural change the key enabler, or was the technology? I I would absolutely agree with you that the cultural change is the key enabler
1: because I mean you in your company like my I my company we have so many smart people who are really good at the IT they do they're really good at at understanding the new technologies maybe even developing them and really going for it and I I so far at least in my six six and a half years of IT experience I haven't seen an IT problem that sooner or later wasn't actually solved. If they have enough time and some resources, these smart people are able to solve most technological problems. But without the culture of looking at why are we doing it? What are we going to do with it? How do we get the business side involved? And how do we convince them? And how do we show them? And how are we fast enough to actually solve their problems and make it worth their while? And how do we work together inside the technological area? How do we bring together the cross-functional teams that then work as one team and not work against each other for whatever reasons.
0: That's really, I think, the key of making it work. Great. Krista, you have been envisioning this transformation and driving this transformation, but you lead a very large organization. What are some of the things that you do personally to demonstrate your commitment to this new innovative, agile adoption of new technology. I find, you know, the the team needs to see leadership commitment. What are some of the things you do? That's an excellent question, since that's a
1: question my colleagues and I ask ourselves all the time. What do we need to do? How do we need to communicate? How do we show that we really believe in this? And we've tried out and or maybe evolved several different forms of communication. So at the very beginning, when it was only two of us, we did large strategy events that had like uh, anywhere between 250 and a thousand people at a time to just explain why the need was there to change. Because I mean, imagine this, a company that so far had always earned a nice amount of money, has always been very stable, was at least well-known for its stability, if not necessarily reacting to the customers in the perfect way or whatever. So people were sitting here thinking, so why do we need to go in a completely different direction? So our job at the beginning, my colleague and I was to explain to them, if we continue this way, there's a good chance that we'll just turn into the bad bank of IT inside DB. And all the interesting new Things that are coming up in the market that we could see, not just on the horizon, that were basically right there, will go past us. So we we communicated a lot about the need to change. And then we had, as a next phase, we had big events where actually our communications team came up with strategy games to bring people in, to, to involve them, especially in the culture change. So it wasn't just role plays. It was all sorts of games that they would do at tables, and we would be right there switching from table to table, um, discussing it with them, playing the games with them and all that. We had um, smaller communication circles where they could ask questions. Obviously, we were as involved as we could be in, in developing the direction we wanna go, but we also, and I think that's almost more important, we let go at certain steps and certain points in time to actually Let that bottom-up movement evolve and let that bottom-up movement work through what what actually fits with a company. If this is where we want to go and this is the direction, how are they going to do it and what is their input? So this combination of communicating as much as possible, but also letting go and actually showing that we meant it, that we are not the experts who who decide everything, but certain things are decided by the experts and the teams because they're the ones who know what is going on and who know what needs to be done. And it it was quite the journey for us as a management team, also as it got larger, we're now four in, in the upper management to, to learn to change ourselves to learn that you know we can't just expect everybody around us to adopt a different way of working we ourselves need to change how we work how we go about things how open we are to discussions and to also change when we intervene and when we coach and so it's been a fascinating journey for us as well i have to say and it's still a journey where you know we don't do it right every day and we have to go back and and understand uh, where we might have uh, overstepped a bit and try again and try again the next day. And we've just started our next phase of changing the way we steer the company um, with a more integrative and and different approach um, in so-called circles. But I fear
0: that would take us a bit far if I started explaining what that meant exactly. It's fascinating, especially, I guess, thinking of a traditional German company and hierarchical culture, such an amazing pivot that, that you have done with the company and with your team. Obviously, we're living in some crazy times um, right now globally. Has this pivot that you had already made, do you feel like it made you more resilient? We're talking to a lot of companies about resiliency, right, in the face of change or, or troubling times. Can you speak a little bit about, you know, did this create the agility and resiliency to face uncertain times? It, it, it's a great question because if you
1: look back at the last, I guess now, three and a half months or so, everything we've worked at, everything we set in motion from changing the way we work together, changing it to teams that are very close knit, um, that work in a network um, and decide, for example, uh, in at least in part, From where do they work? Do they work from the office? Do they work from the customer? Do part of them work from home? Um, Using different methods like the Kanban board, the stand-ups and all that, but also importantly, moving to to different technologies, moving to the cloud, moving to cloud-based Office 365 um, and being able to adapt to it quickly. All that paid off at the beginning of the crisis and throughout it so far we managed to send everybody into home office inside a day or two. Productivity has been amazing, at least as high as beforehand. And in parts, we actually had to ask if people actually stopped working in the evenings because they were sitting at home and and so into it. But it, it has really paid off. We've been able to scale our VPN infrastructure inside just two or three weeks to be able to go from only maybe 12,000 uh, DB employees that were able to work through VPN to now um, 60,000 concurrent users that can work through VPN using the technology, using all the new technology we had implemented, but also because the teams work together in such a different way and and so on and so on. There's so many examples. We were able to keep up the entire IT, keep it running, keep all the software, um, development running, do large implementations uh, from afar. It's been fantastic. I mean, basically, this is I think this is the era of IT, And in this crisis, we at least were able to show why we were doing all these things and what a large benefit DB has from how we're working and from what we've built up in the last couple of years.
0: Now, I again just the the scale of what you're doing, innovation in a remote and and challenging time. Are you doing or thinking about innovation differently? I have to say that um, probably it's worked a lot better than
1: than I had hoped. Um, the teams are still doing workshops, are still you know bending things off of each other and all that. So. Um, Thanks to the fact that the teams are so close-knit, they are able to continue pursuing innovative uh, ideas and and ways of working in addition. I do believe that in the future, uh, we will be working more remotely than we had in the past. But I do think um, especially innovation will benefit in the future from a good mixture of teams and people working from home, but also coming into the office, working from there and just looking at at what point in time, what is the best way to work? But luckily, at least for the last
0: couple of months, even that aspect has worked surprisingly well. Yeah, it's interesting. I think we're all trying to figure out at this point in time, what does that new mix look like of of remote and, and together, and having the technology in place to enable that certainly will make it a smoother um, and a more open decision process, right? Absolutely. So Krista, If you were stepping into this role today, what would you wish that someone had told you before you started this journey? And therefore, what advice could you give? someone else beginning this journey fantastic question i
1: don't think it's quite possible to answer it only for this role it's more like what came in handy from what i learned through all the other roles i'd had before plus what was new about this role and i think what was definitely helpful was um like the advice that you know um be honest about things that work and things that don't work like uh, a culture where if it doesn't work out i mean we we're, we're Creating something new. So if it doesn't work out, we need to admit it to ourselves as a management team with the teams, the teams themselves and say, okay, um, let's take three steps back and try a slightly different direction. And I think in the past, that kind of culture just didn't exist, that you could actually admit that the direction wasn't quite the right one and then adjust the course. So that would be one big thing where I'd say, anybody who has practiced that in the past will definitely have it easier in such a large change situation. For example, then a second thing would be communicate, communicate, communicate. I know everybody says that, but especially in a time where there's so much uncertainty, we have to stand in front of all our, our guys and say, you know, we don't know what the company going to look like when we're done. But we promise you that uh, there is a certain amount of job security. If you want to be part of the change, you have a job and you have a role. And you're, you're welcome to come and work with us on this. But it will be a lot of change and a lot of insecurity because we don't know yet exactly what it's going to look like at the end. And we were extremely open about that and both in one-on-ones with people who needed to discuss it, but also in larger groups talked about that a lot, the uncertainty that comes with such large change, especially if it's not clear cut from the beginning, what exactly the company, the area, the teams, whatever it is, will look like when we're done. So those are two, I think, extremely important aspects in this
0: entire journey. Absolutely. And, And very important advice Right. Accepting failure. We at Amazon talk about um, the need to fail to actually reach farther and to innovate. And so I think you're 100 percent right and communicating, especially in challenging times. So Krista, thank you so much for your time. What a fascinating journey that you have taken your company on and positioned it for the future. So I I very much appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today.
1: My pleasure. Thank
0: you very much for a great conversation.